This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome in to Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, we're ready for more Eva Katie, the evolution of the UJ offense. And good to see the bench get involved last night for the Atlanta Hawks. Hitting Hard is brought to you by Bet Online. We ask you to head to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review there. And of course, Amazon and Roku Fire, or sorry, Roku and Amazon Fire. You can check us out on those platforms. And of course, follow me at JMCH316 on Twitter. You know, I was looking at some numbers and I talked a little bit about this yesterday, but as the Falcons have had some struggles over the last few weeks here, they had the three-sack game against the Bengals and they got off to a good start early on. And we thought, okay, maybe the pass rush has improved and things are good to go and this and the other. But if you look now where the Atlanta Falcons are at, with 12 team sacks, they are only on pace for 22.7 sacks. So basically 23 sacks. Now, is that better than 18? Yes. Is that trending though in the right direction? Not a bit. And one of the guys that I definitely think can help all of that is Arnold Ebicady. Now, Ebicady has only had one start this season. That was the game against the San Francisco 49ers because Ogundeji was out in that game. And I was reading something on Pro Football Focus that talked about the Falcons and their roster and where they rank in this, any other. And they talked about the X factor for the second half of the season. And they mentioned Arnold Ebicady. Quote, with the lack of edge talent highlighted above, Ebicady's continued emergence might be the key to Atlanta making the playoffs. Over the past five weeks, Ebicady's 11 quarterback pressures are more than the rest of the group combined as are his five quarterback hits with no one else even at two. And it made me think just about, look, if we look at a snap count percentage, okay, Ebicady was at 57% last week. For the season, 56.25% of the snaps. Take Lorenzo Carter on the other side of the ball, right, or the other side of the field, 81% last week, 82% on the season. I'm ready for Ebicady to start and start getting more reps and getting himself into the 80-plus percentile range of snaps. Now, you look at Ogundeji, who has the one sack on the season, but do you realize that he doesn't have another quarterback hit this year? He has the one sack and has zero other quarterback hits for the season. And when you start to look at the metrics and some of his grades, his grade overall defensively, ready? 33.5. His rushing defensive grade, 45. His pass rush grade, 45.8. And his coverage grade is at 32.4. To give you some perspective, Ebicady right now sits at a 66.7 overall grade. He's a 66.4 rush defensive grade. He's a 57.4 uh, pass rush grain, 
and his coverage grade is outstanding at 77.4. So while I understand you're going to rotate guys in this end and the other, can I tell you, we got to get back to sacking the quarterback, okay? We can we can talk about all the Folderol and Michigas and everything else that's going on out there, but we have to figure out a way to put the quarterback on the ground. Let's go through my Rolodex of all of my sayings, right? Down and distance, down and distance, down and distance, changing that up. I know the Falcons' defense has not been very good on third and long here lately, right? And we highlighted all that yesterday. But obviously, I would rather continue to try to put teams into third and 15s, or if they get into third and eight and have to drop back and pass, we can put them on the ground. It's time for Ebicady to start and start getting a lot more higher percentage of snaps. Right now, you just don't have guys. Even when we're trying to blitz, we just are not getting guys that can get home to the quarterback. And look, we could talk about all the metrics and we could talk about all the things as far as Ebicady. You know, he ranks up near the top of all rookies as far as quarterback hits and pressures and this and the other. He's that close, that close. That's how close we are for him to closing. And to me, when I talk to my buddies like Hugh Douglas, all right, who is an excellent pass rusher in the NFL, it's just about getting reps. It's just about literally at this point, it's just keep coming. Just keep coming. That's what he always tells me. You just keep coming. And if you just keep coming, eventually you'll get there and sacks will start to come in bunches for it. So look, if we're talking about trying to get into a playoff race, trying to stay afloat, you know, the defense has got to find ways to play better. And and part of that is the third down conversion has been terrible. The third and long conversion has been terrible. But the other thing that is starting to really lose some steam from what we saw early in the year is the ability to get the quarterback on the ground and change up, let's say it together, down in distance. And that's just not happening of late. And you think about the Joe Burrow Cincinnati game. Look, Burrow is one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the entire of the NFL. Their offensive line is dreadful. He took 50-plus sacks last year. So putting Joe Burrow on the ground is no real surprise or big feat. Hell, everybody does that. Do you see Burrow like the week or two after when he played Miles Garrett in the Browns when Garrett was back? I think Garrett, I think Garrett could have set the sack record if he really wanted to in that game. That's how, that's how much they crushed Joe Burrow. But we got to get back to sacking the quarterback. And I really do think that it's time to get Eba Cady starting on the field. With all due respect to Ogundeji, he's a rotational player. Okay? He's a guy who's kind of bridged you from not having to force and start a rookie a lot to, okay, now it's time. So while everybody's talking about the quarterback and this, that, and the other, about when's he going to get – I'm ready for Evan Cady to start getting the starts. That That's the first guy that needs to get on the field and start starting. <laughs> I know I'm kind of repeating myself. Start starting every game and get his snap percentage up. Look, you're halfway through the NFL season, okay? Suck it up, Buttercup. Let's go. You can certainly get this kid into the 70 to 80%. If Lorenzo Carter can be at 81, 82%, on the season as far as snap count goes. There's no reason why Ebicady can't be up on the 75 percentile. And when you look at the fact that Ogundeji is giving you very little production, very little, give me Ebicady. At least I know 
that he's getting home and just about there. At least I know that I'm a whisker away from him turning the corner. Look, trying something out like this is better than just hoping that things get better. Hope and change makes it all better, right? So get me Eba Katie on the field. Let's get that snap percentage up, and let's see if we can't get back to sacking the quarterback and sort of turning some of the momentum for this defense back on the side of big plays and late game plays and things like that. Right, I want to talk about my friends over at BetOnline. Listen, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports wagering information. So, look, we're going to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Big win for them last night, right? Hawks are in the middle of the NBA season. You got NFL coming up here on Thursday. Don't look now. The Falcons are a two-point favorite going into this game on Thursday. You feel good about it? Get over to BetOnline.net today. Take that mobile device. Head to BetOnline.net today. Check out all of the action that's available to you over there. You want other things. You want scores. You want betting news. You want stats. You want fantasy. You want uh, esports. You want all the different things. Podcast news and information. All of it is available at BetOnline.net. Everything there to make you a better sports wager. So take the mobile device. Head over to BetOnline.net today. Get in on all of the action that they have. BetOnline.net is where the action starts. So one of the things I've talked a lot about on the college football show that I do for the radio station I work for on Saturday mornings is the evolution of the Georgia offense. And it's been fascinating. I'm, I'm fascinated by this. I'm, I'm, this is a me personal kind of topic because I'm fascinated watching this. Do you realize that Georgia's on pace to have a season where they attempt more passes than they have rushing attempts? That the pass attempts per game outdoes the rushing attempts per game. Now, has that ever happened in Georgia history? Yes, it has. It's happened twice in Georgia history. Look at me, twice in Georgia history. 93 and 94. Now, is that really a big surprise? Well, wait a second, didn't they have Garrison Hurst? Yep, but let me tell you what they also had. They also had Andre Hastings and a kid by the name of Eric Zire who could huck it all around, who was a throw-it-all-over-the-field quarterback, right? I think when he left the SEC, I think he was the all-time passing yardage leader. And you look at still a lot of the records as far as Georgia quarterbacks go, Zire is still way up there. He had back-to-back -back seasons of 425 pass attempts and 433 pass attempts. Look at where Stetson Bennett is right now. 293 pass attempts already with a few games left. Now, let me let me preface. I understand that it's a different world in college football statistically because postseason stats count now in your totals, right? So it used to be in the old days, bowl games and things like that. And remember, for a lot of guys, there was no such thing as a conference championship game. And then we also had an 11-game schedule. So when you look at Zaire's numbers, he was putting up 425 and 433 attempts in an 11-game season. So he doesn't get bowl games counted. There was no conference championship, right? And there wasn't a 12th game that they were playing. So I understand it's a little bit skewed now. But if you extrapolate out to where Stetson Bennett is, let's say Georgia plays 14 games, 12 regular season, an SEC title game, and let's say a bowl game. 
Forget if they get two games in the playoff, whatever like that. Just even in a 14-game schedule, he's on pace to throw it 456 times. And if they get into the national championship game, he's on a pace where he's headed toward 500 attempts. It's crazy to think about. Let me give you some perspective about some of the other quarterbacks that we're familiar with in Georgia football history. I'm going to give you the highest single season pass attempt mark that these quarterbacks have had. Matt Stafford, number one overall pick, right? 235 pass attempts was his most. Aaron Murray, huck it all over the field, right? 249 pass attempts. Quincy Carter, another first round draft pick, right? In the NFL, 216 pass attempts. David Green, what he he left Georgia as the winningest quarterback in college football history, 264 pass attempts. DJ Shockley, who had the SEC championship, started his final year, 310 pass attempts. And even Jake Fromm, right, who some people think is a game manager in this than the other, but his highest total was 385 pass attempts. So, look, this is a combination of, you know, we've been waiting for Georgia to get monitored. You know, the last two years, Alabama has averaged more passing attempts than rushing attempts, right? They've gone through this evolution. And we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. We've kind of joked, you know, over the years about Georgia and their, you know, modernizing their offense and getting with the 21st century, right? Where it's a throwing game. Quarterbacks run up big numbers in the NFL and college and everything else. And we've been waiting for this evolution. I think when you look at Todd Munkin and Kirby Smart and the trust that they have in a guy who's a sixth-year quarterback with them, right? You're talking about a guy who's in his sixth year with the program. He's a national championship quarterback. And we talked yesterday. I believe George is going to repeat as a national champions. And, and Stetson Bennett proved last year to many of us that kind of questioned about whether or not he could get it done. He got it done last year. And when he had to make big throws, he was able to make big throws and big plays. And what's even crazier to think about this year with George's offense, there's no George Pickens out there. And if you look, Brock Bauer's number of catches per game is the same this year as it was last year. If anything, his numbers will probably be less, certainly from a touchdown perspective, his numbers will probably be less year over year. So it's not like Georgia has, you know, it's not like Georgia has Judy and Ruggs and Waddle and, you know, Devontae Smith and all of those guys running around. It's not like that they have all these huge playmakers on the outside. It's not like that they have first-round NFL wide receivers running around everywhere. And it's not like Brock Bowers is on pace for 80 catches and 1,200 yards. His numbers may look less this year. We certainly know from a touchdown perspective, less this year than they will last year. But there is a lot more trust and faith, and there is a bigger evolution in Georgia's offense. And it's not like they're not talented at running back, right? They have a whole slew of guys that they like back there, right? You know, I mean, if you think about the, the depth of the running back position for Georgia, whether it's Edwards or McIntosh or Milken or Branson Robinson, you know, they've gotten contributions from all of those guys. No one particular guy has stood out in the running game. And they're still dedicated to running the football. We saw that against Tennessee. We've seen that at other points that, there still is a 
dedication to running the football. It's not like that they've gone completely lopsided. But it is interesting to think about the evolution of their offense. Another example, this is going to be probably the first year that Georgia averages 300 passing yards a game and 200 rushing yards a game. That's never happened. The only other times that they've averaged over 300 yards passing in a season was Murray's year in 2013, and then again, the back-to-back years of Eric Zier, 93 and 94. That's the only three times in program history that they've averaged even 300 passing yards in a season. Well, they're blowing past that big time this year. In fact, I want to say that they are somewhere in the uh, – they're 320 passing yards per game on the season. So, look, Nick Saban, right, the, the, the example that everybody uses is Nick Saban, when they brought Lane Kiffin on, that was the switch that flipped, right? And all of a sudden it became a, we can go downfield, push the ball downfield, right? When they had Calvin Ridley and those guys, we could push it downfield. We can get a more modern passing game going. We don't have to just be line up, hand it off to our guys and run the football a bunch. That won them a whole bunch of games. But if you want to turn the volume up and and you want to be modernized, they did it on defense first, and then they did it on offense. Kirby and Munkin are starting to show that this is where we're at in the evolution of Georgia's offense. It's crazy to think about how much that this has changed around for Georgia, that they actually may average more pass attempts than rushing attempts on the season. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Trucker your first listen. Don't forget, make Locked On Sports today your second listen. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Locked On Sports today is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast from. And want to mention my friends over at Built Bar. Listen, Built.com is the place to go, right? Everybody's looking for low sugar, low carb, low calorie, high protein snacks. We've heard, we've talked a lot about on the show over these several months that we've been here, the protein-infused marshmallow puffs, right? What I want you to do is head to Built.com today, check out their wide, extensive menu of products, go through all the different flavors, get yourself a little sample assortment of everything. I've still got an assortment over here of all kinds of different flavors, the berry, the coconut, the cookies and cream, and they're always coming out with a new flavor every month. So take a chance, take a look at Get a sample of some of the new flavors they got. Check out all the different products. And when you get that order put together, I want you to, at checkout, I want you to use the promo code LOCKEDON15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, the number one, the number five. Use LOCKEDON15 at checkout. When you do that, you're going to get 15% off your order simply by using the promo code LOCKEDON15. That's our gimmick to you, right? That's our personal gimmick to you. Use Locked On 15 to get 15% off. Head to Built.com today. Check out their menu and save yourself a few bucks on all the great snacks that they have available to you. Now, last night, the Atlanta Hawks, big win last night. They beat the, from two years ago, world champion Milwaukee Bucks, who had not lost a game this season. They were perfect going into that game last night. And even more crazy... No Trey Young last night. Remember a couple of years ago, they did that. They did that two years ago when late in the season, they didn't have Trey Young and they beat the Milwaukee Bucks. So coincidence, who knows? But the big story of last night 
was certainly A.J. Griffin and certainly what the bench did in that game last night. A.J. Griffin last night in that game, he played 31 minutes and 23 seconds. He almost played as many minutes last night as he had played for the entire season. He had played less than 40 total minutes for the season going into that game. In fact, he had four games, including Saturday night against the Pelicans, four games where he never even played. Now, we know that there is a little bit of a, shall we say, maybe trust factor with Nate McMillan playing his rookies and young guys, right? I mean, that's kind of one of those things that Nate's not super quick to go out and play his youngsters out there, right? But maybe with a performance last night from A.J. Griffin, who, if you didn't see, 24 points, an assist, four rebounds in 31 minutes. And by the way, was a plus 28 on the court. 31 minutes and a plus 28. You'd take that every night. The bench last night went off. They had 59 points off their bench last night. If you look for the season, including last night for the season, they get an average of 31.8 points per game off their bench. But that number's a little bit skewed. 59 last night. They had 53 from the from the second game against the Pistons. But look at what most of their nights are. 26, 20, 28, 27, 23, 18, 25. Most of the time, they're in the low to mid 20s. So here's the thing. We know that you have guys that there can be some beat up factor, even, even Trey Young a little bit, right? You know, even guys like DeAndre Hunter. We've talked about health and things like that. But one of the other things that this team really needs is some offensive punch off the bench. And remember, A.J. Griffin came in as being arguably, you know, the, the top three-point shooting prospect coming in the draft. I believe he led the country last year uh, in, in th uh, three-point percentage uh, at Duke. I think he had the highest three-point percentage in the country last year. So we know he's a, look, he's a catch, spot-up, shoot guy. He can He can score in volumes out of all of it. And that's one of the things that this team is going to need moving forward. It's one of those things that this team going forward, they need to continue to find production off their bench. Look, we know right now Bogdanovich not available. And I don't know what the timetable is. You know, when they first started the, the first game of the year against Houston, I was hearing, ah, he'll be back in a week or two, right? And now you're kind of like, okay, when do we start getting production? And when do we start getting him back in the lineup? And obviously, at this time of the year, you're trying to manage some of the minutes of the guys. You know, maybe not so much your young guys, but certainly guys that have a little bit of beat-up factor and things like that. You're trying to watch and manage the minutes out of guys. And for a team that doesn't have a lot of great options scoring the basketball off the bench, I'm hoping A.J. Griffin, you know, when I was at the Hawks draft party, so the night they drafted A.J. Griffin, I was there at the party. And it was a little bit of a surprise, but if you look, a lot of people thought that A.J. Griffin would go higher in the first round of the NBA draft kind of slipped a little bit, and he fell into the Hawks' hands and, and thought maybe they would go for maybe a little bit more defensive-minded wing player out of all of it. But they went with a guy who can play a couple different positions. He can spot up, shoot. And look, in the NBA, there's no substitute for a guy who can spot up and shoot, right? 
You always want those guys. So here's what I'm hoping, okay, with a performance like that, that Nate McMillan, because think about it. He didn't even play on Saturday. <laughs> they, they were on the road trip, came home to play the Pelicans on Saturday, and he didn't even play. I'm hoping that, you know, just like with Jalen Johnson and everything else, can you win that trust factor with Nate McMillan? Can you win that trust factor? I'm not saying because of injury and things like that. I don't want guys out, but getting that trust factor. If you're trying to manage minutes, you're trying to find a rotation of guys, you're trying to find a spark or a scoring punch coming off your bench. I'm really hoping that AJ Griffin can fill that role because let's face it, over the last couple of years, our rookies have had very little impact on this team. They've had very little chance to make any impact. If they're even here, you got guys that are obviously down at College Park playing for the Skyhawks and all that stuff. So it's not been easy for rookies to make any sort of impact on this team. But when we talk about how do we get to a top three, four, five seed in the Eastern Conference? Well, look, there are starting things, right? It has to start with Collins and Hunter and Capella staying healthy. It has to be, you know, DeJounte Murray and Trey Young being an outstanding backcourt. Okay, well, we're, we're checking off a lot of those different things. We, we understand that. But when you start to go through that Rolodex of things that has to happen, one of the things is getting some good scoring off your bench. And it, and it, without Gallinari, you know, and without Kevin Herter, you don't have a lot of those guys. And Bogdanovich, obviously, we're seeing, you know, injury. He's always injury prone. You don't know how many games you're going to get out of him, right? You don't know what he's going to bring you. I, I like having Bogey coming off the bench, but just the reliability factor, right? If I can, if I can use a Jim Ross line, you know, the the number one th- trait that he looked for in a wrestler that he brought in was reliability. Can I count on this guy to be there every night? Well, we obviously can't do that with Bogdanovich, right? So this is where A.J. Griffin, with a performance like he had last night, let's hope that his minutes start to get more consistent. Let's hope that he starts to get some time growing, uh, getting off the bench and growing into this offense, right? And becoming a spark and a piece that they can count on and rely on. Because they're going to need that. And the NBA season is such a long grind. My God, 82 games. You know, they start playing in October, you know, and it's the all-star game before the playoffs are wrapping up for Major League Baseball, all-star game before the playoffs are finally wrapping up. Such a long grind of a season. You're going to need your young guys. You're going to have to be able to trust and rely on those guys coming off the bench and giving you contributions whether it's Johnson, whether it's Griffin, you know, when you can't count on bogey and some of those guys and you've taken away some of the three-point scoring that you've had in the past, if bogey's not available, you don't have Gallinari, you don't have Herter, you don't have some of those guys to kind of help spark your offense. And let's face it, we don't want a whole lot of three-point attempts out of John Collins. I want him staying down low. Go get, go, go be a part, you know, give me dunks and lobs and layups and things like that. Little mid-range, fine. But let's hope A.J. Griffin, after that performance last night, that Griffin can find his way on the court more consistently and he can provide that spark that they're looking for. All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck with your first listen every day. Don't forget, make Locked On Sports today your second podcast listen, the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day, free and available on Odyssey, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts from. And, of course, head to YouTube.com 
put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, I want you to push that subscribe button, right? Take your little mouse and mousey mouse it and click it right there. Subscribe to our page. Leave us a, a comment there. Free and available as well on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Check us out for free there. Give us a five-star review. Amazon Fire and Roku. You can check us out on those platforms as well. Be sure to check us out there. And, of course, follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We'll start getting you ready for Falcons football coming up tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 